Okay, so uh, Nee, do you want to say, please say the opening prayer as we begin? Oh, okay. Can you hear me? Go ahead, please. All right. Uh, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful day. We want to thank you for this experience. We want to thank you for Gospel Bells Radio. Thank we God. Want to thank you for this um, book reading um, project, oh Lord God. We pray as we begin today, you will begin with us. We pray as we begin today, you will enlighten our minds. You will show us new things about the Bible and about the kingdom of heaven. Lord God Almighty Father, we pray that no distractions, we pray that no occurrences will take us away from learning at your feet today. We pray for all those that have indicated to join. We pray that they would experience you anew. Amen. For those who have read the book before, we pray that they would figure out new things or experience new things. Amen. And for those of us that are reading it for the first time, we pray the Holy Spirit will minister to us specially. Amen. Thank you, Lord God, for answering our prayers. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you do even much more than we are expecting in miracles, in good deeds, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so thank you once again, and I welcome everybody listening at gospelbestudio.com and all those who are here with us in the virtual studio. Now we're going to sing this hymn together, Come We That Love The Lord And Let Our Joys Be Known. Why? Because we are marching to Zion. That's the pilgrim's progress. We're going to sing uh, the first, the second, and the fourth, and the fourth stanzas. If you are listening at gospelbestudio.com, just refresh your page. The program is there, and you can just scroll. You can scroll along. Uh, come, we that love the Lord, and let our joys be known. So let's sing it together. Now. 
Then let us song song and every tears be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's grounds. We're marching through Emmanuel's grounds to Pharaoh. What's on high to Pharaoh? What's on high? We're marching. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Zion, the beautiful city. One more time. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching up to Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. We're marching to Zion, the beautiful city of God. And that's from the video. Yes, by the by the Gator, Gator Group, the Gator Music TV. And once again, I welcome you. Just listen to us at gospelbearsradio.com. And for those who are here with us, uh, live uh, in, in our virtual studio. Uh, we di- we welcome members of the Readers Club earlier on and we are going to participate whether you are in the virtual studio or listen to us live at uh, gospelbearstudio.com. If you are at gospelbearstudio.com, read along. The PDF is already there. If you want to make a contribution, just tap that WhatsApp widget and type your contribution and those here in the virtual studio with us will of course, uh, will of course uh, join in the in the discussions here now the pilgrim's progress this is a book written uh, a long time ago uh, many centuries ago almost uh, about uh, 400 years ago it was written by john bunyan when he was in prison when he was in prison he was imprisoned of course for preaching there was a time in england when there was a law in, initially the law banned uh, people from preaching directly in in, a, in any congregation so you know, funny enough, at that time, those who wanted to preach, they then erected barriers. They would erect barriers between themselves and the congregation so they were not flouting the law. Then they changed the law to say that, well, you cannot preach in any room where uh, you are like five uh, meters away from that place. So they would move the congregation away from the church and then they go to, to, to preach. But John Boyan was one of those, of course, who flouted that law and he found himself in prison now if you have read a bit of this of this story if you look at the first line he wrote said as i walked through the wilderness of this world i came upon a certain place where there was a den and i laid down in that place to sleep so that den it was referring to of course to that prison it was in that prison when he got when according to him uh, he had this dream and he wrote it down and that is the Pilgrim's Progress. One other notable thing about Pilgrim's Progress is that the colorful names of the characters. And many people have observed that if you follow the names of those characters, you will find that uh, there are names, there are people that you yourself you have come across before. And that's, that's one beautiful thing about uh, Pilgrim's Progress. It's so relatable. Uh, these are people you've met before, uh, characters you can relate with. Perhaps you have even worked 
in their shoes. And what is more important, what's more important is that every plot, every twist, every conversation is informed by the Bible, by the Bible. So it is so beautiful. What we intend to do by the grace of God is whenever we meet, uh, we read two chapters from, from this book. Today we are reading uh, the first chapter, The City of Destruction. The first chapter is The City of Destruction. Uh, the second chapter is Obstinate and Pliable. Obstinate and Pliable. So another beautiful thing about this book is if I, all the characters uh, they they describe themselves. The names that he gave to them are descriptive of their nature and of the role that they are going to play in this in this beautiful story. So I do welcome you to this uh, to this uh, to this reading. I welcome those who are here with us in the uh, in the virtual studio. Our brother Nia Drogbangba from Abuja, our dear sister uh, Tutu Awunuga. Thank you for joining us all the way from the United Kingdom. Our uh, dear sister, Deumia Falobia Jani, joining us here from Lagos. Our uh, dear sister, Bolanle Babalola, joining us from Canada. Our uh, dear sister, Sister Esther Mosogbe, joining us uh, from Ibadan. Our uh, dear grandma, Grandma S, joining us here from Lagos. My dear sister, Sister Fumbi uh, Shokoya, joining us from Lagos here. My dear brother, Laulu Ogutokun, joining us from Abuja. Our uh, dear sister, Stabiojan Seka, joining us from Lagos, and also Mrs. Fisola Drubangwa, uh, who presents uh, on weekdays on Gospel Best Radio newspaper headlines from Nigeria. She joined us from Abuja. So we should make this as beautiful as possible, as interactive as possible. Everybody should participate. Those who are listening live at Gospel Best Radio, you can also participate by, uh, by joining us on WhatsApp and let us know your thoughts. Everybody can follow uh, the program and the text is on, at gospelbestradio.com, also displayed there. Okay, so uh, every day after every session, we're going to ask for volunteers to read uh, to read the next uh, the next chapter. So before the end of this uh, of today's session, we're going to ask for volunteers to read uh, the next two chapters. The next two chapters after today's session will be the swamp of this pond and Mr. Wadley Wiseman. Mr. Wadley Wiseman. Okay, so uh, Bolanle has volunteered to read The City of Destruction. And after that, uh, we discuss then, Sister Esther Mostobe will read the second chapter, Obstinate and Pliable. But before then, you know that for those who have looked at this text, there are three passages, three passages, three Bible verses that John Boyan uh, put as, uh, as prologue to the story. And I want to encourage all of us to master these verses. So they will be the memory verses for, uh, for the reading of Pilgrim's Joy. So I do hope that before we conclude this book, each of us uh, will be able to recite uh, the memory verses. So we have three of them. Uh, can we all uh, unmute and read them? Let's read them. If you are wherever you are, let's read them together. Let's start with 1 Peter 2, 11. Okay, are we, are we all ready? 1 Peter 2, 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The soul. Yes. So at some point we are going to ask uh, members of this club to recite these Bible verses. So uh, although it's virtual, we'll be trusting that you are not going to you are not going to check, but that you'll be uh, you'll be able to recite it. Okay, the second one, Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, 
not having received the promises, the promises but having seen them afar, them afar rough, we are assured of them, assured of them embrace them, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Okay, good. Hebrews 11 verse 13. So we'll be reading all these verses just before we go into the text every time we meet. Yeah. Okay, now let's read Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Who find it. Beautiful. Okay, so again, as I said, let's hope that each of us will be able to recite uh, these three verses before we conclude the reading of this book. Okay, now the city of destruction. Uh, I always like for us to go through discussion questions before reading the text. We're not going to we're not going to uh, to answer them now, but just we go through the questions that we're going to discuss and then uh, we're going to read. So as we read, we bear these questions in mind. Who's going to volunteer to read uh, these, these questions under the city of destruction? Any volunteer from uh, from the virtual studio here? Okay, I volunteer. Okay, Domi, thank you very much. Go ahead. I can start with the section A. Section A, yes. The city of destruction. Yes. The first question we have here is, what is the book Christian has in his hand? Is Christian's response to the book strange? Any parallel accounts from the Bible? Does the book still make people respond in that way? Good. And the second question here says, what is the burden that Christian is carrying? And have you ever felt this burden? If so, what did it feel like? Do saved believers carry such burdens from time to time? The third question, if you were in Christian's shoes, what would you what would be the biggest challenge for you in leaving behind your old life and embarking on a spiritual journey? Four, is an evangelist always required to point the way? Do you recall any evangelist who helped you in your own Christian walk? Have you ever been asked to show the way? Five. Christian could not see the narrow gate, but could see the light. What message is contained in this portion of the chapter? And the last question for this section says, which Bible verses are you reminded of in this chapter? How do they amplify the messages in this chapter? Thank you so very much. So bearing those questions in mind, let's let, let's scroll down. So if you are reading at gospelbestreader.com, just scroll down and you'll find the text for today. We have it now on the screen for uh, those in the virtual studio. Okay, now Bonale, you are reading. You can begin now. The City of Destruction. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, 
I came upon a certain place where there was a den, and I laid down in that place to sleep. And I, I and as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags, standing with his face turned away from his own house, with a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. I looked and saw him open the book, and read therein. And as he read, he wept and he wept and trembled, and not being able to contain himself any longer, he broke out with a lamentable cry, saying, "What shall I do?" In this plight, therefore, he went home and restrained himself as long as he could, so that his wife and children would not notice his, dis his great distress. But he could not be silent for long, because his trouble only increased. Therefore, at length, he spoke his mind to his wife and children, and thus he began to talk to them, O oh, my dear wife, and you, my dear children, I am undone because of this burden which lies heavily upon me. Moreover, I am certainly informed that this city of ours will burn with fire from heaven. In that fearful catastrophe, both myself with you, both myself with you my wife, and you, my sweet babes, shall come to miserable ruin, unless some way of escape can be found, whereby we may be delivered. At this, his family was greatly bewildered, not that they believed what he had said to them was true, but because they thought that his mind had become deranged. Therefore, as he was drawing towards night and hoping that sleep might settle his brain, with all haste they put him to bed, but the night was as troublesome to him as the day, and instead of sleeping, spent it in sighs and tears. When the morning came, they inquired how he felt. He told them, worse and worse. He then commenced to talk to them again, but they began to harden. They also thought to drive away his derangement by ash and cruel conduct towards him. Sometimes they would deride him, sometimes they would chide him, and sometimes they would simply ignore him. Therefore, he began to redraw himself to his room to pray for and pity them and also to comfort his own misery. He would also walk in solitary in the fields, sometimes reading and sometimes praying. And thus for several days, he spent, this, he spent his time in this manner. Now, as I saw in my dream while he was walking in the fields, that he was reading in his book, as was his habit, being greatly distressed in his mind as he read, he burst out as he had done before, crying, What shall I do to be saved? I saw also that he looked this way and, and that way as if he wanted to run, yet he stood still because, as I perceived, he could not tell which way to go. I looked then and saw a man named Evangelist coming towards him who asked, Why are you crying out? He answered, Sir, I realize by the book in my hand that I am condemned to die, and after that to come to judgment. And I find that I am not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. Then Evangelist said, Why are you not willing to die? Since this life is attended with so many troubles, the man answered, Because I fear this burden upon my back. 
because I fear this burden upon my back will sink me lower than the grave and I shall fall into hell. And sir, if I am not fit to die, then I'm sure that I am not fit to go to judgment and from tent to execution. My thoughts about these things make me cry out. The evangelist said, If this is your condition, why do you stand still? He answered, Because I do not know where to go. Then evangelist gave him a parchment scroll on which was written, Flee from the world to come. The man, therefore, reading it, looked very sincerely upon evangelist and asked, where must I flee? The evangelist, pointing with a finger over the very wide field, said, Do you see yonder narrow gate? The man answered, No. Evangelist replied, Do you see yonder shining light? He said, I think I do. Then evangelist said, Keep that light in your eye and go directly to it, and then you shall see the gate, at which when you knock, you shall be told you mu- you shall be told what you must do so i saw in my dream that the man began to run now he had not run far from his own door before his wife and children seeing him depart began to shout after him to return but the man put his fingers in his ears and ran on crying life life internal life so he did not look behind him but fled towards the middle of the plain Thank you. Yes, thank you so very much, Bonley. Thank you so very much. So, you know, if uh, another title will be given to this uh, to this part of the book, it would be uh, a man carrying a burden with a book in his hand. A man carrying a burden with a book in his hand, because those are the uh, notable things from from this chapter, the city of destruction. We can offer. Let, so, let's all scroll back to the discussion questions for this first part of the book. And I can assure you that as we go along in this book, we are going to find even more uh, compelling characters, more compelling metaphors in this book. Very interesting. And we are going to find it relatable. Okay, okay, let's start. Everybody in the studio, please feel free to contribute now. Uh, what is the book that Christian has in his hand? So this is uh, a question that has other uh, questions embedded in it. You can feel free to answer any one of them. If you are listening to us at gospelbearstudio.com, just tap uh, the WhatsApp widget and type in your questions and contributions as well. What is the book Christian has in his hand? Is Christian's response to the book strange? Is there any parallel from the Bible? Did anybody react that way to the Bible in the, in the, uh, that you recall? Anyone or any group of people? Uh, does the book still make people respond in that way today? So let's discuss that. Uh, feel free. You don't even need to uh, raise your hand. Just unmute your microphone and, and, and contribute. What is the book Christian has in his hand? And is his response to that book strange? Um, my name, uh, I would like to assume yeah. that the book in his hand is the Bible. Exactly. So, I mean, why, why, why do you say that? Um, okay, maybe because I've read, I've read forward. Okay. There, there, <laughs> there are some um, um, utterances that he made mm. into the book that you you sort of figure out that. He's referring to 
the Bible. To the Bible, exactly. But, but again, you look at the book. You look at his reaction to this. Is, is the Bible a book you read and then uh, begin to weep and tremble and afraid for yourself? Um, I think for for someone that would be in a particular um, situation, yes, there there's a there's a high chance that you will read and feel some kind of guilt mm. and might even cause you to weep. Exactly, exactly. So uh, who has had an experience like that? Okay, we have this uh, coming in in the chat room saying that uh, the book is the Bible. This is from our dear sister to, to thank you very much, saying his reaction is not strange for a Christian. Okay, I love this. So his reaction, his reaction is not strange for a Christian. Do we all agree with that? That his reaction, reading the Bible and then uh, becoming, feeling miserable, so much so that he trembled, he wept, because that's exactly what the text said. That as he read, he wept and trembled. Has anyone here, has, uh, has anyone here had an experience like that? Do people still react like that to the Bible? Uh, is that how uh, we project the Bible in the culture today? Is that uh, what we preach mainly now, uh, that the Bible is the book that convicts of sin and causes people to, to tremble and to weep. Uh, so, uh, to, to, to said that his reaction is not strange for a Christian. Uh, do we all agree with that, that his reaction is not strange for a Christian? Would you say his reaction is not strange for a sinner or even for, for a Christian? Uh, and, and that's something I wanted to discuss. His reaction to that is, uh, the man's reaction to the book when he trembled, is it strange for a Christian or would it, is it, uh, be strange only for for a sinner can somebody talk about that i would like to go okay so um i feel it's i'm trying to look for the best way to answer this so um so i feel first it happens to his reaction would would happen to either uh maybe someone who is recently saved Mm -hmm. or even someone who is not saved and and someone who has been saved for a while and maybe maybe backslide and come back to realization of mm-hmm. certain things. So mm-hmm. I'll give an example. So let's say, for example, I just recently got saved. I gave my life in, to Christ and I'm curious about the Bible. I'm curious to, okay, what's this book that they've given to me? And I want to know more because at that point, I'm new to Christ. I want to know more. I'm ready to like give all, right? So I might come maybe encounter something like this or maybe react this way yeah. and also um for for i'll give the second scenario whereby i'm already saved sometimes as um christians we we get used to our normal life we just okay i'm reading my bible and we don't um spend time with it more mm. like meditating so it's just like okay i need to do my devotion and we just read past and we just like it's just like a chore it yeah. becomes a chore sometimes, not for everybody, but like sometimes it becomes like something that you do regularly and we don't, we're not present in the word. And it has happened to me whereby, so there'll be a scenario whereby, okay, this time around, like maybe I'm spending time reading a particular passage in the Bible and yeah. I find myself like, like convicted or like, like um rem- feeling remorse about certain things or like just just taking it in, meditating in it and like trying to understand. So 
I found myself in that situation whereby he would weep and like um and think about it, right? And it can also happen to someone who is also new. So I don't know if I answer that question, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I, I, I think you give giving a very uh, beautiful uh, re- response to that uh, because what what you have said is that uh, both a sinner coming in contact with the word of God uh, would weep. Uh, when confronted with this true state and it is possible for a Christian as well to feel that way. And I, I want to reference some part of the scripture, but I see some messages coming in there. Okay, this is from uh, their sister to, to say, this Bible convicts and help us, the Bible convicts and help, helps us to see helplessness. Though it's not common to see people react this way, but I believe it still happens. It's a state of brokenness, like Paul remarked, which has saved me, okay, exactly, from this, uh, from this wretched body of sin. Exactly. We also have this in the WhatsApp chat room, uh, which should be in the virtual studio here, but it's not in there. It says, reading the first paragraph, it's worthy of note that the book is spelled with initial capital. Very good. Uh, depicted that it's a uh, it's a revived book and sacred book being referred to. Okay, uh, and that's a valid point as well that you have made, uh, Rashi, saying that you, you see that in the passage itself, it refers to, uh, it references the book as... Uh, using the using the capital, you know, uh, the first the first word is capitalized. I and you see it. Uh, we are projecting it with a book in his hand, book with capital. So of course, so I'm glad that we have all of us agree that this is referring to the Bible. Uh, the question is, is Christians' response to the book strange? And we can we can uh, refer to some other Bible passages talking about people reading the Bible and weeping. Uh, in in this very part of the scriptures in Nehemiah eight, you know, we we read that there was a time that the book of the law was read, you know, to the returnees. And those were coming back from exile, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And then verse nine. Of Nehemiah, it says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the Levite who were instructing the people said to them, This day is only to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So people were listening to the words of the law and they were weeping because you know, they, uh, it showed them that they had fallen far from, uh, from what God uh, prescribed for them. I think that's exactly what uh, Burnley was saying that if we truly spend time reading the word of God, we find that, well, he speaks to us, and anybody who pays attention will see himself or herself or, or, or as he or she is. You know, James, another passage from James, James one twenty four. it says the person, sometimes we look at the mirror and then immediately forget what we look like. That's when we do not engage with the word of God properly. Anybody who engages with the word of God properly will uh, indeed uh, have that sense, have that sense. So I, I guess yeah, do we, all, we all agree that this is not a strange reaction for uh, both a Christian and and uh, a sinner who is coming to, to the Lord for the first time. Anybody having um, a contrary opinion on that? Okay, no one. Uh, does the book still make people respond in that way today? 
But this thing make you respond that I think Bali answered that question for herself that well sometimes she reads the book for myself. I think, I think it should be the reaction for for everyone. Anybody who, who wants to talk talk, talk who, who wants to uh, comment on that does the Bible, does the Bible still make people respond in that way? Do, do we see it around nowadays? People reading the Bible and becoming uh, terrified because that's what happened to this man. He became terrified. Uh, most times we become comforted by the Bible, which is which is which is good, which is part of the design of God. Uh, but to become terrified, as uh, this man became terrified. Um, we we don't find that so common now. Mm. We don't find it so common now. What we see in our generation now is um, people reading and they are excited about the Bible. Mm-hmm. We tend to want to claim the promises exactly. of the Bible. And we have that kind of um, prosperity mentality. In mm-hmm. And this, this book is more or less like a reawakening for us mm-hmm. because sincerely the type of Christians we are breeding yeah. these days if you hand this book over to them it might feel so 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 strange to them that what is this that you are saying I'm not sure it's the same bible I'm reading you are talking about here exactly. so I think um, we are not finding that reaction so common and I think we need to do something about it Really, exactly Maybe from our pulpit in our churches mm-hmm. in our small groups, mm-hmm. we need to really emphasize those things. May mm-hmm. the Lord help us. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so very much, sis. Thank you so very much for that. I, I, and I and I think that you just ate it on the nail right there. Uh, what we find more uh, nowadays is that we claim the promises, which is good. It is part of God's design for us. But uh, as Elder James wrote, God wants anybody reading His Word to. Uh, to look at himself in the mirror, see himself as he truly is. And we have this from on WhatsApp, Mommy Oji, thank you, saying that the reaction is not strange to Christian. Reading the Bible with an open mind, one will discover oneself. And that's so true. And then again, this on WhatsApp, this says, his experience was not strange, and that it is what an ideal Christian should have. I've had such an experience before. This is from our brother Shewan Yedele on WhatsApp. This is what he wrote. He said, reading Matthew 26 and 27 at a point in my Christian journey had caused me to cry. Okay. Again, in 2020, the encounter I came by reading Isaiah 31 and all all the following verses, I saw my woes and cried out to the saving hands of Abba. And and this is so beautiful. So if you have any experience like that, and and I love what you have shared with us, and uh, I think I'm going to go and read Matthew 26 and 27 again and see exactly what is there? But of course, we know what happened to Isaiah himself. Although Isaiah was not reading the Bible when when he said, "Oh, woe to me, for I'm a man of unclean lips." But you know, anybody who but the Bible leads us to God, shows us who God is, how holy God is, and every time we do that, we truly read it. We see that we are so unworthy. Like um, Sister Tutu mentioned, it shows our helplessness. Okay, uh, Sister B, you have your hands up. Please go go on. Yes, I said. Um um, I was, I'm um, adding to the fact that we have that reaction mm-hmm. still existing. Last year, when we were studying the book of Zachariah in my church, okay. we had this kind of reactions. 
because people did not know there were so many um, judgments coming from God mm. that were so bad. We read so many things that were new to us, and um, it made people tremble and fear. Mm. Exactly, and thank God. I mean, I was part of that study that you that you're referring to, and 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 that's exactly what this does. And I, this ties into what uh, Sister S, uh, Sister Mosso, we just said that that we just need to do more Bible reading, more of the preaching from the pulpit, because the more of the Bible we read, uh, the more of our helplessness we will see. Thank you very much. If you want to make further contribution on this, you can always draw us back. But let's go to the second one. What is the burden that Christian is carrying? And have you ever felt this burden? If so, what did it feel like? Do saved believers carry such burdens from time to time? So this burden that he was carrying, what do you think the burden uh, was that Christian was carrying in that, uh, in that dream? Any volunteer from the studio? What what, uh, what is the burden that Christian is carrying in that in that dream? Have you ever felt this burden? Guilt over sin. Guilt over sin. Exactly, exactly. The the guilt over sin. Okay, the burden of so, so, so we are, we have in the chat room somebody saying the burden of sin, and then Sister Bernice Seker saying the guilt over sin, and and that's correct. That's correct. Uh, and of course that ties into the first question. He became aware of his sinfulness, right? And then uh, and the guilt he bears for it. And he's carrying, and he wants to do away with the burden. Is it not so telling uh, that he went home and uh, he was the only one carrying? The, he was the only one carrying the burden in his house. The uh, the others weren't carrying the burden. And we're going to have a question similar to that when we get to to the second chapter. So I don't want to jump the gun. I want, I want us to discuss uh, that bit. Why others were not carrying the burden, and he was the only one carrying the burden? Do do saved believers carry such burdens from time to time? Even say believers, do we carry such burdens from time to time? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, because ex, ex, yeah, somebody wrote it sometimes, and and I agree with you because uh, we, we go to first John. If we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. There is no righteousness in us, and even the believer who knows that. Uh, the work of salvation has been completed, must still bear uh, the guilt for sin. In fact, anybody who does not bear guilt for sin, not guilt not in the sense of uh, thinking himself able to deal with it, but anyone who does not sorrow for sin, uh, then it's not a Christian because that person must always try to, to run away from it. Okay, people in the in this studio who are chatting, we wanted to speak out and not just chat. Okay, this is from Laos saying, yes, because we see ourselves clearly, through the word of God. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, good. We go to the third question. This says, if you were in Christian's shoes, what would, you, what would be the biggest challenge for you in living behind your old life and embarking on a spiritual journey? So if you look at this question, there are two parts to it. Uh, if you were in Christian's shoes, assuming that uh, you wanted to to leave the world and come to the foot of Christ for the first time, what would be the biggest challenge? Or if you were embarking on a spiritual journey right now, if 
the Lord was telling you, oh, this is something I don't want you to do. You have read the word of God and you see uh, yourself for who you are. The Spirit is telling, t- telling you, look, you need to get away from this place or from this thing. Uh, what would be the biggest challenge for you? And if anybody can talk to it in this story, what was the biggest challenge for, for the man in this chapter? In the chapter we just read, what was the biggest challenge for the man in the chapter we just read? What, what would people say? Hmm. What would people, people say? People always have something to say that is negative. Yes. And we could see from here that his family were trying to dissuade him. Mm-hmm. His um, community too yes. were trying to dissuade him. He had to put his fingers in his ears and run mm-hmm. to exactly. stop himself from listening to what they were trying to dis- uh, that, that, uh, what they were trying to discourage him from from exactly so 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 for him in, the, in this story he ran, exactly, ran away from them he ran away from them so he had this challenge from his immediate family his immediate family trying to dissuade him uh, even thinking him to be deranged that's exactly the word used there that they thought that he was deranged and they opened that yeah. okay maybe he should go and sleep and then afterwards maybe he will feel better I want to look at the portion of the story where you know where they said something like that. He said, "Okay, exactly." See, see this part. Say they also thought to drive away his derangement by harsh and cruel conduct. So it, it is it is instructive for us to look at the progression of the action of members of his family. It's number one, he says, "Therefore, as it was drawing towards night, and hoping that sleep might settle his brains, with all age they put him to bed." So initially they were not very they were not hostile. They were just hoping that what's what's this newfound thing with this uh, with this oh I'm a sinner with this oh that the city will be destroyed. Okay, let him sleep. Maybe by morning he will feel better. But the night was troublesome to him as the day, and instead of sleeping, he spent it in sighs and tears. When the morning came, they inquired how he felt. He told them worse and worse. And they must have said to themselves, Ah, this is bad. We, we thought that after sleeping he will feel better, but he said worse and worse. He then commenced to talk to them again. But they began to be hardened, and do we agree that, that, that that's how it progresses? When you want to uh, to to tear yourself away from a, uh, from a certain association, is that the way it progresses? First, they put up, okay, look, don't worry, you are going to get over it, and then they became hardened. They also thought to drive away his derangement by harsh and cruel conduct towards him. Sometimes they would deride him, they would deride him. Sometimes they would chide him, and sometimes they would simply ignore him. So that, can we relate with this, uh, with people where we want to tear ourselves from an association? Who, who wants to talk about that? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead if you if you want to contribute to that. Okay, I have this on WhatsApp, uh, Rashid Idili saying, one of the challenges of believers in embarking on Christian journey is jest and disassociation from close acquaintances, friends and folks, exactly. So, uh, tying into what Stabilian Seca said there, yeah, that, you know, uh, people trying to disassociate with us and then jest. I love what you have mentioned there, uh, Rashid, saying jest. And, uh, and that's something that we have to be able to put up with. Anybody who, uh, what, what scripture comes to mind there? You know, talking about people making jests, because we read here in this story as well, sometimes they would deride him, 
Sometimes they would chide him. Sometimes they would simply ignore him. So jest, uh, rebuke, and then uh, just people ignoring him. They People ignore him and they disassociate with him. And I think our Lord spoke about all these things. Can anybody recall where our Lord spoke about these things? Okay, I have here in, this, in the chat room, uh, okay, she started to say that uh, most times people write you off as being crazy. Mm, and that's so true. Uh, Stafumbi has been saying you are mugged and given a new name. Very good. Okay, so if you are here with us in the virtual studio and you can you can talk, wanted to speak out and not only chat. Yes, sometimes you are mugged and given a new name. Like what kind of new name do people give uh, people who are trying to to walk away from an association. Sister Fumbi, expatiate on that. Like, when people give you a name, maybe they call you crazy, just like uh, uh, Sister Tutu has noted. Some people, they call you crazy. Uh, my issue is the, is the the common one. They call SU. SU, okay, that's true. That's true. SU, SU. And that's true. Many people will come at you, oh, the SU. SU and of course we know SU refers to scripture union, but of course it, it, it has become a pejorative of sort. It has become a pejorative where people when they call you SU, it means mm, I want I want SU. People who just you know uh, who take things to the extreme. I think that's what it yeah. means. No. They call you a fanatic. Yeah, they call you a fanatic exactly that you have taken things to the extreme. Yeah, and I think that's the exact word. Yeah. It appears that that's what how his family treated him. Like, uh-uh, what's wrong with you? So people say, well, let us make jest of him. Maybe he will become ashamed and and turn back to us. Okay, let us chide him, speak actually to him, whether he will become whether he will stop, or let us just ignore him, or let us just ignore him. Of course, of course, our Lord said, our Lord said, you uh, will be in in the last days, and for those who want to follow him. You must be ready to be ignored by men, and not only ignored to be to be ostracized. Exactly. Thank you very much, Brashen, for giving us that passage. Luke nine twenty six says, "When I, the Messiah, come in my glory and the glory of the Father and of the Holy, I will be ashamed then of all who are ashamed of me and of my words." Now, yeah. So that's a relevant passage as well, knowing that uh, people want to mock us, but we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. And we must embrace, we must embrace uh, the gospel. In fact, thank you very much. Okay, what do you say about this? This uh, thought, this fourth question is: an evangelist always required to point the way. Do you recall any evangelist who helped you in your Christian work? Have you ever been asked to show the way? So we know that uh, when Christian. Uh, that's his, that, that's the name of the man as we're going to come up when the Christian uh, held the book and read it and became aware of his sinfulness and wanted to escape from it all uh, he was so distraught he did not know what to do until the evangelist showed up right I'm going back to the passage it says I saw also that he looked this way and that way as if he wanted to run yet is too still because as I perceived, he could not tell which way to go. I looked then and saw a man named the Evangelist coming towards him, who asked, "Why are you crying out?" Uh, even re- just reading this 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 uh, paragraph, what account does it remind you of from the Bible? Uh, in the Evangelist walking towards him and saying, "Why are you crying out?" Does it remind you of any account in the Bible? Uh, 
And for me, I think it reminds me of when uh, Philip was transported, you know, to that Ethiopian Ethiopian noble. I said, what are you reading? I wanted to, an offer yeah. to, exactly. I said, what yeah. are you reading? What do you need help with? So uh, for us as Act well. Act 838, yes. Act 838, exactly. Thank you very much. Act 838. And it's an evangelist always required in matters like this. When someone has become, yeah, yeah, I agree. I want somebody has become aware of his situation, and well, we always feel that people need guidance. As suppose to Paul wrote, how would they hear unless someone speaks to them? So, has anybody has an experience like that where uh, maybe you had a moment of confusion or spiritual crisis? And like a human being came forward and clarified things, clarified things, pointing you to the right way. Have you ever, or have you also ever been asked to show the way? Uh, if you have an experience like that, please do feel free to share to share with us. I think I'll re- I'll relate that with um, the church, right? Mm-hmm. So okay. sometimes we read our Bible and we are being convicted about certain things yes but and we might not even get like clarity and for some reason it's just like maybe the holy spirit just directs whoever that is preaching that day funny enough the pastor might just preach towards that and presents more light to what we are being convicted about or maybe more clarity mm. and from there we are able to like take actions based on whatever the pastor is speaking what what the pastor is preaching and sometimes it just boils down to okay like we even having just a short prayer that god okay i'm going to church today like i want i want to actually hear your word and i want this to speak to me right so Mm -hmm. it's funny how we can actually get the answers to some of our questions even by just going to church and just listening to the pastor who you might be like oh my gosh this is coincidental but like i just feel like it's the holy spirit that makes that um that's way for us exactly yeah. exactly and that's an interesting take on it because so what you're suggesting Burnley, is that sometimes it's not like a a person walks to you directly it, the the role of the evangelist could be played by uh by by the by a preacher by a preacher in a church so and it has happened to me as well i know i was praying over something and then uh, i woke up in the morning to pray i opened to a particular passage and I believe that it was sent to me by the Lord that it answered uh, the very request I was praying for. And then I got to church, and the passage appointed was that same passage, and that and that was and that sealed it for me. That sealed it for me to confirm that oh, this is exactly what uh, the Lord uh, has been saying to me. I was saying to him, but it's very important to know that uh, people need to be told. And usually in Christian circumstances, have you observed that, you know, when you talk about evangelism, people are always eager to say, look, uh, it's not only by talking to people, by our conduct, by our behavior, that we should also evangelize by the way we uh, we behave and treat people, which is all correct. Because the Bible says, let your light so shine and that people will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. But we also still need to open our mouths and speak to people. In fact, we should be praying that, oh Lord, lead me to some souls today. Let me know somebody who needs uh, to be guided right. Thank you, Brashim Idili, for giving us this passage on WhatsApp, Romans 10, 14. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? 
And how can they hear about him unless someone unless someone tells them? And that's exactly what the that's the role the evangelists play there, uh, telling them. I mean, telling Christian. An encourager is always a blessing. Thank you very much, my dear friend, uh, dear brother, Buffett Badmos. Join us now on WhatsApp saying, an encourager is always a blessing. And that's so true. And I think that's what we should, we should all pray to be. Somebody who encourages, somebody who points the way. And there are many people looking uh, to have the way pointed out to them. So uh, we should all double our efforts praying that, look, if there's somebody out there who needs to be pointed to the right way, God should please use me. And or for, for those of us, when, anytime we find that we need a guidance, just pray. The Holy Spirit will send someone. Of, of that, we can be very sure. Okay, Christian could not see the narrow gate, but could see the light. What message is contained in this portion of the chapter? I want to read that portion of the chapter, and I want us to think carefully about it. You know, when the evangelist approached a Christian, and the evangelist said to him, when he said to the evangelist, he said, I do not know where to go. Then the evangelist gave him a parchment on which was written, Flee from the road to come. The man, therefore, reading it, looked sincerely upon the evangelist and asked, Where must I flee? Then the evangelist, pointing with his finger over a wide field, said, Do you see that yonder narrow gate? The man answered, No. The evangelist replied, Do you see the yonder shining light? He said, I think I do. Then the evangelist said, Keep that light in your eye and go directly to it. And then you shall see the gate at which when you knock, you shall be told what you must do. So if I tell look, look there. Can you see the narrow gate? He said, no, I can't see it. Okay, but can you see the shining light? And he said, you think I can do. Uh, what message do you think is contained in this part of the, in that part of the story? Can you see the gate? Oh, I can't see the gate, but can you see uh, can you see the light? Can you see the shining light? So I suppose that sometimes we find that uh, those who are coming to Christ newly uh, are unable to fully understand, to fully understand uh, the the message of salvation and the salvation story. And we just need to point them to the light. The light of the word is Jesus. Just follow. Just ask. Just ask for Him. Just ask Him to come into your life. Into your life, and you know what is going to lead you to that to that gate because it's the way to the Father. He said it is the only way to the Father. And those who look to Him, those who follow Him, those who ask for Him to come into their life, they will have the light. Just say, I'm the light of the world. If those who walk in me will never walk in darkness. So. Uh, the Christian could not see the way to the narrow gate. And the evangelist pointed him to Jesus as the light of the world. Jesus who has said, anyone who walks in me will never walk in darkness. You will always find the way when you walk uh, in Jesus Christ. And that's our duty as evangelists in the world, if we find ourselves playing that role, to point people to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Just point him to Jesus and say, okay, you think all, this is all confusing now. Invite him into your life, take him as your Lord and Savior, and then as the light of the world, he will point you to the road uh, where you will walk. And thank you, Mommy Oji, joining us on WhatsApp and saying Jesus is the light of the world. That's so correct. Indeed, indeed. 
indeed. And 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 it, and, and I think it's true for us as well. For those of us who are already in Christ, maybe for those who are not uh, not just newly coming to salvation, for those who are, who are already in Christ, we, we find ourselves in uh, a spiritual crisis of sort, and we cannot see the full. We cannot see the way in full. If we cannot see the way in full, well, if you look to Jesus. Is the light of the world. He will shine light on your path. And of course, Jesus himself is the word of God. And the word uh, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So even where we can't see it, you know, the Bible was pointing to him. Look, go that way. Can you see the gate? I can't see it. If, so if we cannot see, uh, the gate, we cannot see the way, we cannot see the next step, well, look to Jesus and he will shine the light. And of course, most times Jesus shines the light only on one step at a time. But that's, that's the challenge of faith, to follow him, notwithstanding. Okay, we have this on WhatsApp. Thank you very much, Brother uh, Femi Badmore, saying, at times, the narrow path is not obvious. Hmm. And that's so true. But the light is always there to be seen, and it will lead us through the narrow path. His word is the light that directs. Exactly. His word is the light that directs. Hmm. I love that. So the narrow path is not always obvious, because it's narrow, maybe. Right, uh, but uh, the light is always there to be seen, and it will lead us through the narrow path. So our duty is to to point people to the light, Jesus Christ, and He Himself also is the Word. Is the Word okay, uh, Sister Esther? Are you ready to read uh, obstinate and pliable? Yes, sir. Okay, 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 okay. So uh, let's scroll to obstinate and pliable, like the second chapter, and we we'll soon. Uh, wrap up. This is a, a shorter uh, part, I think. Obstinate and pliable. This is the second chapter in this book. Okay. Ob- obstinate and pliable. Yes. The neighbors also came out to see him run. As he ran, some mocked, others threatened. And some cried after him to return. Among those who did so were two who were resolved to fetch him back by force. The name of one was obstinate, and the name of the other was pliable. Now by this time, the man had gone a good distance away from him, but they were resolved to pursue him. And in a little while, they caught up, they caught up with him. Then the man said, Neighbors, why have you come? They answered, To persuade you to go back with us. But he said, That cannot be. You dwell in the city of destruction, the place where I also was born. I see that. I see that sooner or later, dying there, we will sink lower than the grave into a place which burns with fire and brimstone. Think, good neighbors, and come along with me. What? said obstinate. And leave our friends and our comforts behind us? Yes, said Christian, for that was his name. Because all that you shall forsake is not worthy to be compared with a little of what I am seeking to enjoy. And if you will go along with me and persevere, you shall fare as well as I myself. For there, where I am going, is more than enough and to spare. Come along, 
and till that my words are true. What are these things which you seek? Asked obstinate. Since you are leaving all the world to find them. Christian answered, I am seeking an inheritance which can never perish, spoil or fade, save and reserved in heaven to be bestowed at the appointed time on those who diligently seek it. Read it so, if you will, here in my book. Nonsense, cried obstinate. Away with your book. Will you go back with us or not? No, not I, said Christian, because I have put my hand to the plow and will not turn back. Come then, neighbor pliable, said obstinate. Let us go home without him. There are too many of these silly fools who, when they get a crazy thought in their head, are wiser in their own eyes than seven men who can think reasonably. Do not revile him, said Pliable. If what Christian says is true, then the things which he follows after are better than ours, and my heart is inclined to go with him. What? Belowed obstinate. More fools still? Take my word and go back with me. Who knows where such a foolish fellow will lead you? Come back, come back and be wise. No, said Christian. Rather come along with me, obstinate. We will receive such things as I spoke of and many more indescribable blessings besides. If you do not believe me, then read here in my book. These truths are all confirmed by the blood of him who wrote it. Well, neighbor obstinate, said Pliable. I intend to go along with this good man and to cast in my lot with him. The employable turned to Christian and asked, Do you know the way to this glorious place? Christian replied, I have been directed by a man whose name is Evangelist to hasten to the narrow gate ahead of us, where we shall receive instructions about the way. Come then, good Christian, let us be going, said let us be going, said Taibu. Then they began to travel along together. And I will go back to my place, said Obstinate. I will be no companion to such misled foolish fellows. Now I saw in my dream that Obstinate went back and Christian and Taibu went along towards the narrow gate, conversing together. Neighbor Taibu, said Christian, I am glad you were persuaded to go along with me. Had obstinate but felt what I felt, of the powers and terrors of unseen realities, it would not have so easily turned back. Laibu mm. replied, Tell me, Father Christian, what are these glorious things, and how are they to be enjoyed? I can better understand them with my mind than speak of them with my tongue, said Christian. But since you are desirous to know, I will describe them to you from my book. And do you think that the words of your book are really true? Asked Pliable. Yes, absolutely. For it was written by him who cannot lie, answered Christian. What are these glorious things of which you speak? Questioned Pliable. 
there is an eternal kingdom and everlasting life to be given to us where we will dwell forever, replied Christian. And what else is there, asked Pliable. We will be given crowns of glory and garments which shine like the sun. This is wonderful, exclaimed Pliable. And what else will there be? There will be no more crying, no sorrow. For he who raise over that place will wipe all tears from our eyes, responded Christian. And what company shall we have there? Pliable inquired. Christian answered, There we shall be with seraphim and cherubim creatures, which will dazzle your eyes to look upon. There also you shall meet with thousands and ten thousands who have gone ahead of us to that place. They are all loving and holy, each one fully accepted by God and standing in his presence. In a word, there, shall, there we shall dwell with all the redeemed people of God, having golden crowns and golden harps. We shall also see those who, for the love which bought for the love which they bore to the Savior, were caught in pieces, burned in the flames, eaten by beasts, or drowned in the seas. They are all perfect and clothed with immortality. Just hearing of this is enough to ravish one's heart, said Pliable. How are these things to be enjoyed, and how can we obtain them? Christian responded, The Lord the governor of, the, of that country has recorded in his book that if we are truly willing to have it, he will bestow it upon us freely. Well, my good companion, said Taibu, I am thrilled to hear of these things. Come, let us, quick, let us quicken our pace. I cannot go so fast as I would, answered Christian, because of this burden which is on my, my back. Thank you very much. Uh, this is Sister Esther. I'm also be for reading chapter two for us, obstinate and pliable. And we see the reaction of obstinate and pliable. I mean, quite uh, their names, descriptive of, of their nature and their being. Now, is the reaction to Christians resolved by his family and neighbors exaggerated? I think we answered that question uh, in, uh, in chapter one because see chapter two opens with the paragraph saying the neighbors also came out to see him as he ran. Some mocked, others threatened, some cried after him to return. And among those were obstinate and pliable. And I saw a reference somewhere referring to what Jeremiah wrote. If you read Jeremiah 20.10, he said, For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, said they, and we will report it. All my families watched for my halting, saying, Paradventure he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him and we shall take our revenge on him. So, uh, just to mention that when we come across things that we should remember that where we won't be the first, all the prophets who came before Christ were treated that way. Jesus Christ himself was treated that way, right? And uh, it is not strange that his neighbors treated him that way. But then, uh, obstinate and pliable decided to follow him. First, let's look at uh, all, you know, all the questions that you pose to the man, to Christian, how would you rate Christian's responses to the questions from obstinate and pliable? And what's unique about the responses? And I do hope somebody will get it. So how would you rate Christian's responses to those questions? 
many questions, in fact, if you see uh, from obstinate and then from pliable. How would you read those, those answers? And what's unique about the response? That is something that is a common thread, a common thread through all the responses uh, that Christian gave. Anyone, anyone to to engage with that? How would you rate uh, Christian's responses to the questions, all the questions posed by obstinate and pliable? Uh, who was the first person to ask a question? It was obstinate, saying, "Except, okay, what are the things which you seek?" Asked obstinate, since you are leaving all the world to find them. And then Christian answered, I'm seeking an inheritance which can never perish or spoil or fade. And then towards the end of his answer, I said, read it so, if you will, here in my book. Here in my book. Nonsense, cried obstinate. Away with your book. Will you go back with us or not? So uh, the first question was, what are you seeking since you are leaving all the world to find them? And you see, that's the ultimate question uh, that the world will ask us and that sometimes even uh, the flesh will ask us as well. What are you really seeking since you are turning your back on everything? And uh, the answer that, that, that Christian gave, that is a common thread in all the answers that he gave. Okay, we have, someone, so we have a response here in the chat room. Uh, his responses were one of one who knew what he wanted and confirm them to be available in his book. Exactly. And I want to hold on to this second part. Thank you very much, dear Sister Tutu, for, for saying that. You'll find that every time Christian answered a question, he referred to the book. He referred to the book. He referred to the book. So he took all his answers from the book. Indeed, if we had enough time, we find that all the answers he gave, you'll find parallels in different scriptures. And that's what I think we, we need to emphasize there. Uh, when we are questioned by the world. Uh, we are not going to answer with our own wisdom. We are not going to answer with our own experiences uh, as helpful as they may be. But at all times, is the, the book. is the book you find here. Yeah, uh, Christian said, read it so, if you will, here in my book. Here in my book. Everywhere uh, he, he was questioned, he answered here in my book. And, and do, do you notice that answer from, from obstinate, away with your book? Away with your book. Uh, do we experience that today in our culture? People say, look, away with the book. Away with your book. And I think many times we find that people say, look, this is not about the Bible. Let's face reality. This is not about the Bible. Let's face realities. And uh, I, I just love, and I think it is notable, that every answer that uh, that Christian gave was from the Bible. And it was always referring to the Bible. Now, uh, if you want to answer, if you want to give more context to that to that question, please feel free anytime. Just interrupt me and and answer or send in a text or send in a text. So uh, what the unique about the responses was the fact that they were taken from the Bible. Christian was immediately referring to the Bible over and over again. When the when Obstinate said away with the Bible, away with that book, are you coming with us or not? You find uh, the reluctance of those who are not really convicted of their sins to engage with the Bible and we see that reluctance over and over again in the culture today okay we have this on whatsapp immediately saying one unique one uniqueness of Christian was that he has made up his mind not to go with the world his responses remind me of the song okay very good that's true okay thank you for bringing this up I've got my, I've got my mind made up 
and I won't talk back because I want to see my Jesus someday. Also, the song, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Christian wasn't sitting on the fence about his decision to go on the Christian journey. Hmm. That's so true. He was not sitting on the fence. He was resolute. So we see that he was quite resolute. I'm not going back with you. I'm not going back with you. I've decided to follow Jesus. And and, and, and they asked him, so why have you decided to follow him? Why are you leaving everything behind? He said, look, come and read it in the book. That's a promise. That's a promise given there. And I, now, can somebody just engage with this question? Do you really think that telling people today about the promise of heaven uh, is sufficient to let people forsake everything in the world? I mean, where the culture is right now. And when we persuade people to come to Jesus Christ, uh, what do we point to? Let us compare uh, how we invite people to come to Christ today with our Christian encourage upset and pliable to join him in that journey what do we appeal to what do we point to in the bible to encourage people to come to christ uh, versus the things that christian pointed to 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 encourage obstinate and pliable to join him in the journey in his answer to them anyone here in the studio ready to uh, to engage with that with that uh, with that with, with that question that point of view the things that we point to now, and what lesson can we learn from our Christian's responses? What did he point to when he was asked, look, why are you leaving everything behind and turning your back on the world? Um, just like the first contribution I gave the other time. Yes. Nowadays, what we see today is we see people pointing that come to Jesus and all your problems will be settled. Yeah. Come to Jesus and everything will be fine for you. Exactly. But we don't see beyond the earthly rewards. Mm-hmm. We, we don't see beyond the earthly rewards. We, but we see here that all that mattered to Christian was everything about heaven. Heaven, exactly. So you will see the cherubim. You will see the seraphim. Exactly. The glory of God will do this and that. So we should be more even conscious. Exactly. I think that is just one thing. Exactly. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. I, I love that. We should be more even conscious. And if there's anything we're going to take away from reading this book, I think it is that. We should be more even conscious. So uh, as I know that many of us will agree, it is the problem with the church, maybe not the problem, but what we observe in the church is that there is so much focus on this world, this world. So we suppose that we can invite people to come to the Lord's side by telling them that, look, in this world, in this world, in this world, uh, we should be more everyone conscious. Um, so I, I, there's a scriptural reference here, First Peter 1, 4. It says, we are invited to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not, reserved in heaven, reserved for us in heaven. And that's actually the crux of the Christian message, you know, to point people to things above and not to things below, things above. And that's exactly what Christian did. And of course, we know that popular verse, right, from Hebrews. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly one, Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. He has prepared for them a city. And this is a challenge to all of us who preach, all of us who witness, uh, that our, our chief duty is to tell people that, look, this world is passing, is a, uh, it's already corrupt, it's, a city, it, it's the city of destruction. 
no matter how beautiful this world is, even no matter how how blessed we have been in this world in terms of material things, uh, Peter wrote uh, saying that seeing that all these things will be destroyed by the elements, seeing that all, everything will be destroyed, it's the city of destruction, seeing that all these things will be destroyed by the element, what sort of people ought you be? What sort of people ought you be? And we also have this response on WhatsApp. Thank you, Brashim Idele. The Christian was pointing to a city whose builder was God exactly, uh, such as the patriarchs and heroes of faith looked forward to Hebrews 11.10. But contemporary Christians point men to what they can gain from this world, not eternal life as stated in John 3.16. So uh, thank you all for that contribution. I think that's what we can take away from this. That we find that Christian was pointing them first to the book, and in the book, it was pointing them to heaven because the book points to heaven anyway. The book points us to heaven. And that's the only uh, that's the only convincing basis to invite people to come to God. When we talk, tell people that, look, come to Jesus because he will solve all your earthly problems in this world. When they come, uh, like those who followed Christ because he fed them, you know. But then when uh, we now begin to uh, reveal the truth of the scripture, it will be, it will be very difficult to... Uh, to make them stay because really they came for the wrong thing. Now, consider the significance of the characters obstinate and pliable in relation to the importance of companionship and influence on our spiritual journey. How can we ensure we surround ourselves with positive influences and avoid being swayed by negative ones? How important is it to have good companionship on the pilgrim journey? How important is that? Of course, people always point to where the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Each person, work out your salvation. How, how important is it to have company, to have company on the pilgrim, on the pilgrim journey? Because as we go on in this book, you find that uh, you find a Christian leaning on so many people along the way, some bad company, some good company. Uh, but as we go along, we are going to see uh, more of the company that he kept uh, as he journeyed along. We also have this on WhatsApp. Thank you, Brashim. He's saying, Abraham did this because he was confidently waiting for God to bring him to that strong heavenly city whose designer and builder is God. Exactly. So everything that Abraham did, you know, following, believing the promise and following was because he wanted to gain that heavenly city. That heavenly city. And that should be the, the main, if not uh, the, the whole objective, really. And that should be our message to the world. And no matter how how foolish, how foolish the world think uh, that that message is today. Then another important thing from this chapter is this. See, pliable has no burden on his back, yet still follows Christian. Is that not something uh, intriguing? That pliable has no burden on his back, yet he still follows Christian. Why would someone do this? And have you ever come across people like this? What kind of churches, in quotes, appeal to people in this condition? People who, they are not, he has no burden on his back, yet he's on the journey. Uh, he has no burden on his back, and he's working with the man who is trying to get the, the burden of, I mean, Christian was uh, walking towards the narrow gate, wanting to get rid of that burden on his back, and Plyable wanted to follow him, notwithstanding that, uh, he has no burden on his back. Are there people like that in the church? Are there people like that in the church? Uh, yes, there are. We have a whole lot of them. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything pushing them. They just exactly. say, okay, they say we should come to church and we have come to church. Mm-hmm. So 
they are not their mind is not made up before you know it if another person calls and says, okay this is where we are going they will follow the person because they don't have um, a vision there's nothing pushing them there's nothing pressing them we have a lot of them around us and these are the type of people that the bible says that they are they are easily tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. by every wind of doctrine exactly exactly Thank you very much. They are easily tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because, uh, really, uh, they, as you said, they have no vision. They are just there. Uh, what are you? I mean, what? Where? What are? Where are you going? They might even know where they are going. Uh, they have no body that they are carrying. Christian was looking for the path to get rid of that body, of that body. Uh, there are people who are just there because, oh, I, I know a man going this way. Let me also join him as well. Okay, let's take some steps back. Thank you, Grandma S, joining us here, uh, saying that, talking about companionship. Thank you, Machida. Sweetin saying, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. And this is one of the most beautiful, I mean, all these verses of the scriptures are beautiful, but this is a very beautiful one that I always love to reference as well from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10. Uh, two are better than one. So we cannot overemphasize the value of companionship. And in fact, uh, we are going to find as we go on in this book, we find that Christian in this pilgrim journey leaned on a number of people, those who helped him, those who d- refused to help him along the way. Uh, but there's no way you are going to read this book and not come to realize that uh, Christian companionship is so important Okay, still talking about companionship, uh, Rashim Idilia said, yeah, good company is so important because the scripture talks of iron sharpening iron, yes. Then Hebrews 10.25 says, do not forsake the assembly of brethren as it is the custom of some. True, true. Do not forsake the assembly of brethren. Exactly. So you ask yourself, why do you think the Holy Spirit uh, put that uh, in in the mouth of the writer of the Hebrews? Because company is very important. And uh, it is important to keep the right company. Anybody who keeps the company of people like obstinate or pliable, well, may find themselves. Uh, of course, okay, let's not jump the gun. Tomorrow, by the grace of God, we see what eventually happens to to pliable. Who was so eager to go? Okay, but I'll let go on. Yes, I just wanted to add to what um, Sister Esther was saying yeah. about um, pliable and how it applies to our lives. So thinking about it is more like we Christians that actually grew up in that family, like, so because our parents already invited in us that, oh, you have to go to church, it's mm-hmm. right for you to go to church. So it's, I can, re- I can relate, relate that character with uh, that examples because most people just go to church because, oh, that is what I'm supposed to do because I'm a Christian, but they really like, and, and we become so religious yes. and not even understanding the reason why we are going, but because of that tradition yes. or that um, upbringing and how we have been or how we have grown up or, or the things we're already familiar with. And yes. we feel like it's a norm. And we're even serious. It's just, it's so funny how some people don't, they don't miss first Sunday of the month. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, like they believe it's, it's a church and oh, I have to be there or something or even New Year's Eve yes. or you see some people have not attended church all through and that period they don't want to miss it so it's to me it's just like they're just being religious and mm-hmm. it's related to the character of pliable right yes so. 
Yeah, and that's so true. That's so true. So talking about people who uh, they do not have any reason to be there. They are not really seeking anything. They have no body in there. They are not looking forward to anything. And I love the way you have related it to uh, those who grew up in maybe Christian homes, uh, but have not come to Christ. And they just do things because they think, oh, this is the thing to do. This is the thing to do. And and that's a very important point to make and that we should all, all take note of. We should always... I mean, always question yourself when you uh, when you go to church. Why are you going to church? That's the question you have to. Why are you going to church? And I think, and I hope that each of us can answer that question to say, "Look, I am going to worship Him who is my Lord. It must be your Lord." But of course, people go to church for different well, because it's the right thing to do. Uh, because well, I'm going to meet people. But why are you going to church when you need that? Why are you praying when you take the Bible? Why are you reading it? Why exactly are you reading it? I also love the take from. Uh, their sister here yeah, started to saying that he's probably a moralist that's pliable and that's so true because some people are there who are just they are going uh, they are a part of the journey but they do not believe that they need any help to to get the body in a way it's just the right thing to do and uh, he wants to do that thank you very much and uh their brother femi badmos is saying they have no roots they might wither when the journey gets difficult exactly people like that they have no roots they might wither when the journey gets difficult. And you see, on that note, I think on that note of what everybody uh, has written, uh, we can begin to look forward to our session tomorrow on the note of those who do not have any roots who might wither when the journey gets difficult. Because tomorrow, we are going to be reading about the swamp of Despond. Tomorrow, you find uh, Christian and Pliable falling into a ditch, into a ditch, into a swamp, in fact. What happened to them when they fell into that swamp? And uh, why did Christian visit Mr. Wadley Wiseman? That's what we are going to be dealing with tomorrow. So, uh, any contribution from anyone on these two chapters? The beauty of this book is that as we progress... In reading previous progress, as we progress in reading previous progress, we are going to find that we get even more insight into what we have read in the past. And of course, we are always free to uh, to refer to uh, chapters we read uh, prior and to and to comment on them in light of the new things that we'll be reading uh, in the future. Good, good, good. This has been a very beautiful one, and I thank you all for participating. Uh, do you, do you have any favorite quotes from any of the chapters we have read? And I want to go through the class very quickly. Share your takeaway points. All those who have been contributing, if you're available, what's your takeaway point from these chapters, from these chapters, the two chapters, City of Destruction and, and the story on obstinate and pliable? What would you say is your takeaway uh, takeaway question? Uh, Brani, you're the one on, first on my list here. Eh? I'm going to go through the class. If you can't talk, just type it. So, Niye, uh, and then I'll go to, uh, to Tutu. And then Deumi and Bolanle and our dear sister Esther. And then if you saw life, you are still there. And then Sister Fumbi and Laoj, if you are still there. Okay, what's your takeaway from here? And those in the stu- in those who are listening at Gospel Best Radio Live as well. Uh, yes, our dear brother Femi Bad Most Brashing Daily, Grandma S, Mommy OG. What's your um, takeaway? Take- okay, go ahead, Seth. My, my take from today's class is from where I read, where Christian said he has laid his hand on a plow mm. and is not looking back. And it's not looking back. Yes. Exactly. Beautiful. That is, yes, that is, my, that is a challenge for me. And while I was reading, 
I tried checking up the um, meaning of obstinate and the meaning of um, pliable. Good. I realized that obstinate is someone that is very, very stubborn. Exactly. And that was why when he made his decision, he didn't even bother to say, okay, let me follow Christian. Then mm. pliable, he was easily convinced. Exactly. So when he heard about Christian's story, he joined him. Mm-hmm. And while we keep reading, we'll see that a little while because he fell into a swamp, he was like, ah, so what is the meaning of all this? Of all I said, no, he's no longer interested. So um, our names sometimes um, affect our characters, so mm. to say. Mm. Yes. Uh, thank you so, so much. My, my yeah. yeah, so so the, the, the take takeaway is that portion that says he uh, has laid his hand on the plow and will not plow look back. And it's not looking back. And it's not looking back, exactly. Uh, and I also thank you for pointing that out. The, the, of course, that's the exact reason why the author gave them those names. And l- let me just add to your contribution that is it pliable? First, it was so pliable that he joined Obstinate to go and pull mm-hmm. Christians back. That was the first reason why he went. He, he went there to pull him back. Obstinate, let's go together. We're going to convince him to go back. And then he got to Christian and then so pliable. He was convinced again. He changed his mind. Oh, I'm not, I'm not pulling you back. I'm, I'm actually joining you. And as you have said, we soon see that how pliable it really is because again, he got into the swamp and then he, and then he changed his mind again. Thank you so very much. Who is next? Mr. Fumbi, are you next? Yes, okay. um, my takeaway from this is the question that um, Oxley asked Christian. Okay. When he, when he asked, what are the things which you think? Hmm. What are the things? That's true. What are the things which you seek? Because you are leaving all the world to find them. Hmm. And Christian's response. That was that was this worldly thing. What are you looking for? It's all these good things here, you know. Mm-hmm. So and Christians response by speaking and inheritance, it mm. can never fail. Fall or fail, fail and reserve in heaven. Mm. Well, so like we said in our discussion, yes. the heavenly focus. Exactly, the heavenly focus. And really, yeah, I, I, I think we cannot even emphasize that point you, you, you have made, you know, directing us to that part of, of chapter two. And the yeah. question that Obstinate asks Christian, what are the yeah. things which you seek since you are leaving all the world to find them? You know, and when people find us mm. always going after Christ, doing this for Christ, going to church, going to choir practice, going to church mm. and then serving God. What, okay, what are you really seeking since you are leaving all the world to find that we have to be able to answer, have to be able to answer, and the answer is what Christian gave. It must be an heavenly answer. Not that, not only that, oh, because I need help, because I need a child, because I need this, because I need a job, because I know, because I'm sticking an inheritance like all the heroes of faith. Thank you so very much for that. Thank you, Ma. Okay, uh, Sister D, Mr. D, you're next. I see your microphone is on. So if I see a microphone on, then I will call you. And please, those who are joining us on WhatsApp as well, feel free to type your takeaway from today's study. Yes. Okay. Uh, it has been a wonderful um, reading. Yes. Um, my take home was um, is from when um, Christian 
um, encountered the evangelist. Okay. And we see here when he stood still and he asked, the evangelist asked them, why do you stand still? He said, because I do not know where to go. Mm. My take-home from this is um, most times um, as Christians, we, um, we, we get to a point where we need somebody to like um, give us some direction. Yes. I might be going through one particular thing as a Christian and um, you feel weighed down. So I think um, reaching out from what Christine did now, it was um, the evangelist actually pointed out things that he should do. Yes. How he will be able to embark on the journey. Yes. How he will be able to forge ahead. Yes. So and um, showing him the the light, and what we also see in the Bible, which also says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and mm-hmm. the life, and yes. no one comes to the Father except through our Lord Jesus Christ. So most times in life, when we go through um, life and um, life happens and we have a lot of situations pulling us to the other side, mm-hmm. there's always the Bible and the Holy Spirit to always put us through, yes. to always guide us and for us to always continue to look onto the light mm. and we'll be able to get to the end of the journey. And um, also talking about um, pliable and obstinate, we all have them around us. We have them beside us. So um, one thing I learned from Christian was that he didn't, um, he he was adamant, he was forging ahead. He made up his mind. He was looking onto where he was going to, despite what um, pliable was ready to go along with him and obstinate was like, ah, no, I'm not going with you. Yeah. He didn't look at what every other person had to say. So in life, when we at work, at a place of work, in our neighborhood, we shouldn't look at what people would say. We should still continue with what the Bible says and mm-hmm. um, and um, to always forge our head and at the same time to always um, do what is right at all times. Exactly. Thank you very much, Mr. D. To always do what is right at all time. And then pointing to uh, that question that the evangelist asked, so why do you stand still? There always people have been waiting on us to give them the right answer uh, to that. And, and maybe we're also called to challenge some people. So if this is why you standing still, we have to point the way. And we need people to point the way to us as well. Thank you so very much. Okay, we have this on WhatsApp. Omeoji joined us saying, my takeaway is that I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No turning back, exactly, exactly. Almost exactly the same thing that uh, Sister Esther must have emphasized. I've laid my hands on the plow. I am not going to look back. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to look back. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, any other person who is venturing is uh, taking away from this? Uh, Bartmus, are you still there? Rafael, we did. I know there's so many people uh listen to us live at gospel but we, we cannot know that you are there unless you reach out to us on whatsapp okay but what's your takeaway and to as well if you are still there uh, okay Bali, go ahead. <laughs> no actually it's based on the comments they are like they just made okay. about uh obstinate and pliable mm and um how we should focus on like put our heads straight focus on 
the goal of what we want and not just like being easily swayed or moved by what people say. Yes. So that's one thing for me. And um, what else? Um, that would be one thing for me for now. Okay, okay, okay. Good, good, good. As I said, as we go along in this study, uh, anytime you can, all, you can always uh, join us again. If, if anything occurs to you, you can always share with us. Okay, so uh, thank you very much. Lao, shall I stay there? What's your takeaway from this study? And uh, okay, good. Um, I think um, my takeaway here is that um, um, response from Christian, okay, which I think came directly from one of the parables of our Lord Jesus Christ, where okay. he said that, where he said that the where he said that the um, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. Mm. The man finds it. Exactly. He goes ahead to buy the entire field. Exactly. And he sells everything he has Ex- just to buy that field and hold on to it. Absolutely. So I believe that Christian has found um, a treasure in the book he was holding. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Despite the burden he was carrying, mm-hmm. he had to leave everything behind. And I think for us as Christians as well, I believe every one of us should get to that point to find yeah. that treasure in Christ. The treasure that we can hold on to, mm, the mm. treasure that directs um, all the decisions of our lives. I love that. And lead us um, heavenward. Heavenward. Heavenward, exactly. Thank you so very much for pointing that out. And that's from Matthew 13 5. It just said, A lot said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And then verse 46 said, When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it hmm, amazing thank you so very much for bringing that out that's a very beautiful one uh, that we, we all should get to that place where uh the heavenly reward uh, we consider it as a pearl of great value we're ready to sell everything and then to follow him to follow him uh brani are you still there okay we have this from uh our dear sister Olaide og thank you so very much Writing here on WhatsApp, my takeaway is where Christian said, I'm seeking an inheritance which can never perish, spoil or fade, safe and reserved in heaven. Exactly. An inheritance which can never perish, spoil or fade. And I love the expressions that Christian used there. I know the same thing that we can, we can just contrast that with any inheritance we have here in this world. Remember what our Lord said about... Uh, about treasures in this world. Do not store your treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal and must destroy. Another thing, no, anything, no matter how great in this world, uh, it will lose value. In the course of time, it may be destroyed and it will perish. But then, uh, our sister here pointing out and saying that the inheritance we should be looking for is the one that will not perish, it will not spoil, it will not fade, it is safe. And reserved in heaven. And I think, in fact, one can have a sermon out of this portion that you have quoted. It will not perish, it will not spoil, it will not fade, it is safe, and it is reserved for us in heaven. Imagine reserved for us in heaven, you know, a crown awaits us in, in heaven. Just like Paul said, and now awaiting me a crown 
in glory. Thank you also very much. This it's been a beautiful, uh, beautiful time. And I want to encourage you, uh, do not drop away from this class. Uh, it's a long read until we get to the end. We'll be meeting Saturdays and Sundays, but I, I can assure you that it's going to be a rewarding time. Like so many people, you want to be reading this book like at least once, at least once every year. It's going to be uh, really, really rewarding. So please uh, just make room for it and I pray God we give each of us the grace uh, to see this study to the end. We have this from our dear brother Nia Dugmagba saying that the takeaway for him is the reminder to defend our heavenly journey with words and promises from him. I love this. I love this. And also do all we can to convince others too. I love what you have written. I love this uh, Nia saying that uh, the one takeaway is for us to defend our heavenly journey with words and promises from the Bible. Because you are right, there are times when uh, it may it is possible for even those, uh, those of us who are in Christ to become uh, dejected and and sometimes even uh, confused or or sad or discouraged. And it is important for us to hold that book, hold that book, and. Just hold it and refer to it. Refer to it at all times. Thank you very much, Need, for, for for pointing that out. That's so that's so important. We're going to say the closing prayer. And I remember we're meeting at 8 p.m. tomorrow. I pray God will give you the grace to join us. And I pray God will give us another wonderful, wonderful time in his presence. I want to call on Grandma S uh, to say the the closing prayer. Uh, I hope she will join us now. And she said the closing prayer, and then we look forward to meeting again tomorrow. Remember that uh, tomorrow we are reading The Swamp of Despond. To copy this tune, press. The Swamp of Despond and, and Mr. Wadley Wiseman. Mr. Wadley Wiseman. We find uh, very amazing things to talk about there tomorrow. Grandma S, how are you, ma? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you so very God much. Bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. Okay, please say the closing prayer. Okay, thank you. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we want to say how much we love you. Thank you, Lord. For gathering us together to sit at your feet, to take us to the rudiments of our Christian faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you have taken us as children and you are our Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your Son whom you have used to get this started. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the other children you have, oh God, who are with us tonight, contributing so meaningfully, so powerfully to this venture. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you bless, oh Lord God, all that we do Amen. in this reading club in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray, Lord, that it will not be in vain. Amen. We pray, Lord God, that it will strengthen our faith. Amen. Help us to press on to press on because sometimes we do get tired sometimes we ask questions sometimes we are we wonder yes but now lord we see that you are here to take us by the hand Mm -hmm. and we know that you will take us right to the end yes father help us to recommit ourselves to you amen holy spirit open our hearts to know that which we should know especially to see ourselves as our father sees us Mm -hmm. with so much love Thank you, Lord, that our gathering, O oh Lord God, will be unto you each time we gather. And you will minister to us that which we want us to know. Amen. To you be all the glory, Lord, for what you have done tonight. Thank you, Lord. 
even in our sleep, we pray that you may explain a few things to us as necessary. Amen. And that our sleep will be sweet. Amen. That in the morning, Lord, we'll all wake up hell and hearty. Amen. To press on again on our journey. Amen. As better Christians, even with the very little that we have learned tonight. Amen. We give you praise, we give you glory, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Mark. God bless you. We're good. And you too. And yes, thank you all. Thank you for joining us tonight for the first class uh, today, reading Pilgrim's Journey. We are a Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, we also have this on, on our chat on Zoom. Thank you. Uh, there's Sister Tutuawunuga saying that the takeaway for her is uh, for each person to know, uh, for, to know whom he or she has believed and to focus on the goal, which is eternal life. Exactly. You have to just know whom you have believed and, and be focused. Thank you so very much. See you tomorrow. Happy night rest and God bless you very good. We're marching to Zion. <laughs>